Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our gospel reading this morning is from Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 20, and you can find them in your pew Bible on page 798. Listen now for the word of the Lord to us today. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I just finished reading a book titled, How to Spell Presbyterian. Thank you, Ty, for giving me that book to read. It is a great title, of course. I knew you would laugh because I laughed when I saw the title. James Angle, the author, says that Presbyterian is more than a 12-letter word. I would say he's got that right. The book is a great little book, and it goes on to talk about what it does mean to be Presbyterian, what we believe how we live out our faith from the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes we forget this, that we live out our faith from the foundation we have in Jesus Christ. The one who in this passage this morning gave the disciples the very first vision for the church, and the church then that would carry out Christ's mission in the world. What caught my eye was not the whole book, but it was this little quote at the very beginning of the book in the foreword section. It's kind of interesting that I even read that, because often I just skip that, and I go right to the first chapter because I want to dig right in. But I read the foreword, and there was this amazing quote by Kyperion. He was a bishop of Carthage. He made a comment on commitment and what it means to be a committed Christian. This is what he said in his quote. It is knowing from the top of our heads down to our shoe buckles that private Christianity is an incongruity. It is believing that we are constantly meeting Christ in one another, and being blessed 
and identified as children of worth through such meetings. What a quote! I found myself thinking, who is this guy? Who is this who could write such profound words that are very meaningful to us today? Private Christianity is an incongruity. Does he really mean that? That it's incongruent? That private Christianity is illogical, irrational, ludicrous? Can he really mean that? What about Christian commitment? Is it really about finding Christ in each other and being blessed by this? The interesting thing is, Cyprian is really talking about the church here. Not the same image as the church you would be experienced today. Not the building with the windows and the pews and the sound system. He's talking here really about the community. The community of men and women who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But they don't just believe by saying, I believe in Christ. But they live out their belief in ways that they themselves become a reflection of Christ. That is a beautiful thing, isn't it? To be able to live one's life being a reflection of Christ. This quote really does speak to us today as uh, was the very beginning of the church when he wrote that quote. As Jesus began the church in this passage, he talks to Peter and the disciples about the same beginning seed of the church. Understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is the foundational truth, the rock on which the church is built. And as Cyprian wrote, the church is where we see Christ in each other, and in this scene, we are blessed. I want to go back and just say this for a minute. Understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is the foundational truth, the rock. It's not believing in Jesus Christ of the dead God. Jesus Christ, son of the God of the past. Jesus Christ, God of, son of a God we don't really even know. It's Jesus Christ, son of the living God. We must not forget that. So Caprian wrote about that, where the church can see Christ in each other and being blessed by that, is because of that vision that they were able to have. So I continued to go back and study this man. Why did he know this? What did he learn about his faith by what was going on in his own community? Well, I found out that he lived during the second century, as I already said, when the formal church did not even yet exist. But he knew the significance of the community and how it related to his own commitment to Christ. And he knew the community was critical to his faith. So an important question would be, why is this? Why would the faith of the com community be even more important than his own individual faith? 
You know, we don't really think that today. We're all about our personal faith, our personal understanding, what I can do. But he is saying something quite different here that we need to pay attention to this morning. So I dug a little deeper. I said, well, what's going on then? Why would he write this? And I found out about the struggles that the early Christians were faced with. There was tremendous struggle. And they needed, they desperately needed each other to remain faithful and hopeful. Decaius, this Roman emperor, had declared a proclamation that anybody within the empire must make sacrifices to the ancestral gods. Every person had to make this sacrifice. To refuse meant death by public execution. This is what they faced, these early believers. You can deny Christ as the one and only true God and go ahead and sacrifice to the false gods and you'll live. Or refuse, hold steady to what you believe and die. So the bishops, of course, were particularly pointed out as having to make this sacrifice. They were the leaders of the early Christians. And initially, Cyprian escaped, and he hid, because he really felt he could do more service to the community by, by supporting them, by helping them during this really scary time for them. But at the end, he refused. He refused to sacrifice to false gods, and he was executed in public for what he believed. Under those circumstances, Cyprian intimately experienced what it meant to be a community of believers, holding on to each other, encouraging one another, and remaining strong during adversity. One after another, the Christians were being persecuted, tortured, and killed. You can imagine what kind of environment that was to live in that time. They were scattered, they were frightened, they were running for their lives. For Caprian, seeing glimpses of Christ in his fellow comrades gave him courage, hope, and determination to remain faithful and to be able to say, I believe in the Son of God, the living God, and to face death. But then also, we have to realize that these glimpses of Christ that they found in each other also helped those who witnessed the deaths of their colleagues to remain faithful after they had to witness execution after execution. I believe this was the church at its best. Even without a building, without a common set of doctrines that they could recite and teach each other. I believe this was the church at its best. For the church was and is today the people. The church was and is today the people. Giving strength and courage to one another, courage to even face torture and death knowing and holding in one's heart that there is more ahead. 
Caprian was a rock. He supported those early believers, helping them see the living presence of Christ within themselves, trusting, trusting over and over again that there was a bigger plan, that there was a greater design that they are a part of, because individually they would not, they would not, they could not see this. And they did stick together. That's what history tells us. They stuck together, they held steady, and their faith and their sacrifice allowed the church to grow and to gain strength in the years ahead. Think about this. Every Christian that followed from that early time knew about these Christians and their faithfulness and their belief. They remembered them, and they'll talk about them, about those who died for their faith in Christ. This is at the foundation of the exact church that Jesus is calling forth in this passage this morning. That was a few hundred years earlier. Jesus first asked his disciples who they think he is. You know, the disciples, they have been out among the people. They have heard the rumblings, the whispers, the conversations between the people one to another. They know what the people are saying about Jesus. And yet, they also know that what is being said about Jesus is not the truth. He's not a prophet, no. He's not John the Baptist come back to life, no. There is deep, deep within them this understanding that Jesus is the son of the living God. Their eyes were able to see what others could not see. And I've been wondering why Jesus asked that question. Maybe Jesus really doesn't know what his disciples believe. But I think really, I think really Jesus asked him, Peter and the disciples, this question to give them the opportunity to search their own hearts and to claim, to claim boldly in front of Jesus what they believe about who he is. Peter, the leader, speaking for all the disciples, he had no hesitation in responding to Jesus' question. You know, he didn't say, well, let me think a minute. I'm not sure, no. He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This insight, this knowledge that he and the disciples possessed was not something that they could manufacture by sheer effort or by mental calculations or by intellectual acuity. It was a divine revelation that could only be seen through eyes that were seeking the truth. This divine revelation does not come to all. And this is an important question for us to ponder is, why did the disciples, why were they able to see what others could not see? But I think there's something different, really different about them. I think they had a willingness and an openness to really see God in a new way, to see God right before them. The disciples were leaders, for sure. They were leaders in establishing the church and There have been many other leaders along the way. I call them rocks. There are many rocks along the way helping the church to become a beacon of light in a dark world. One person who immediately comes to my mind when I even start thinking about this was Mother Teresa. 
I think she lived a life that so clearly showed that she could see who Christ was and who also could take this divine insight and build a community that changed the lives of countless people. A community that even today continues to change lives. Mother Teresa had eyes to see the presence of God in this world, and this revelation helped her to find the missionaries of charity. I'm sure most of you have heard about her and about her work. Her community was focused solely on caring for the poorest of the poor in the slums of Calcutta. You probably already can envision pictures of the work environment that she worked in. But this is something I want you to think about. You look at her now as she's been gone now for a while, but you look at her, the community she started, and you think, wow, there's so many of them. No wonder they can do so much, right? But no, when she started her flock, there were 12 people. 12 people. 12 people who believed in her vision, who wanted to join her. And by the time of her death in 1997, her religious congregation numbered over 4,000 people with even thousands and thousands of other lay volunteers. 610 foundations in 123 countries in all seven continents. And it continues to grow. But it started with 12 people. Mother Teresa was able to form multiple communities based on serving and caring for others because she had eyes to see who Christ was. And she had a heart to believe that she could carry out this mission that Christ had given her. She also was a rock. She was a rock on which the church was built. Again, I would tell you that she couldn't have done this by her own effort, by herself. She needed the whole community to be with her, to stand by her, to give strength, to carry out this mission that is life-changing for so many people. And this mission continues even today and will continue on and on and on many years even after her death. That's the power of the church, of her community. So there has been much talk about the church today, hasn't there? Yes? Why attendance is declining, why some churches are closing their doors, how life is getting busier and busier, and there really isn't time to go to church. Now, I realize I'm preaching to the choir, talking to you, but I know that you have heard these things, too. And I'm quite sure some of you have wondered what that is about. So I've been wondering, perhaps we have lost our own vision Could that be true? Perhaps our hearts don't even really know what we believe in. Really? Really, could this be possible? I do think it's a fair question to ask. For me to ask myself and for you to ask yourself, do we believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God? Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and with this insight alone, in spite of his frailties, his mistakes, and his inability to fully understand many of Jesus' teaching, 
Peter was able to declare his faith in Christ. And with that declaration, Jesus says this to Peter, And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail upon it. Peter, the disciples, Caprian, Mother Teresa, they have all had eyes to see who Jesus was. And this alone gave them the ability to transform the world through faithful communities. Perhaps we have forgotten that we are about. Perhaps we have forgotten that our very lives, you and me, our very lives can be a reflection of Christ, the living God. So we need to find that. We need to have our eyes see and look and search so that we can find the Christ that is in each one of us. Remember the words of Kyprian, it is knowing from the top of our heads down to our shoe buckles that private Christianity is an incongruity. It is believing that we are constantly meeting Christ in one another and being blessed and identified of children of worth through such meetings. This can be true for us. How we live out our faith comes from the foundation we have in Jesus Christ. It's the foundation of being Presbyterian. And the church was and is and always will be the people. You and me rocks, living faithful lives and holding to the truth that Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Deep within our hearts, I think we all know this truth. We do believe this. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is alive here and now. Are your eyes seeking the truth? Can you see the presence of Christ in each other? We can do together so much more than any one of us can do by ourselves. I'm going to say that one more time. We can do together so much more than any one of us can do by ourselves. Together, we can transform the community. We can. And we can have a lasting impact upon the lives of countless people. We can do this, I know. So next month, you're going to have a chance to hear the plans for our church. Every Wednesday, you can come and hear the plan that Alex has. And as you come and hear this plan, I want you to dream. And I want you to never forget that it is Christ. It is Christ who calls us forth to fulfill the mission of the church. It's not really what any one person wants but it's Christ that calls us to be the church. In relationship with each other, it is Christ and Christ alone who gives us hope and courage to do even more, even more than we have dreamed we could do, even more than we could do by ourselves. So I'll leave you with this. Together we can have eyes to see and hearts that believe. 
And that is all that we need. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.